by me, the sports editor of the Utah Statesman, Jake Ellis, and this is the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. Welcome in, everybody. And it's uh, it's fun to be here. Got some things to talk about. I don't know if they're fun things to talk about. That's what I almost said, but oh, it's always a fun yeah. time in Laredise. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, it wasn't so fun this time for the Aggies. Nah, it wasn't. It was a it was a tough game on Saturday for Utah State football. We'll talk a lot about that. We're also going to touch on USU volleyball and USU soccer. Both programs or both teams, I guess, are same the same program. They're both Utah State, but both teams, soccer and volleyball. Going down to the wire in conference play, right? USC yeah. Soccer has a huge game this week against Boise State to see if they make the conference tournament. And then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit of hoops because uh, that's around the corner. Jacob Ellis just got his credentials I for did. the for the season. He was flexing those. I haven't gotten mine. I got to get on that. Maybe I, if I were them, I'd keep me out of the arena this year. Yeah, no, I, I'm feeling a little special right now, and maybe uh, let's uh, let's keep the party down a little bit this year. Um, you know, we, Mark Greenwood's gone to Columbia, so if we can keep out Jacob, and then maybe we can all fit on the nice front row. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that second row of, of plastic chairs. Hey, you just want the whole so- the, the whole soda cooler to yourself. You yeah. and Sean Harrison just yeah, going to drink, <laughs> drink away all the Pepsi. <laughs> well, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Saturday night's loss. 28-14, the Cowboys pulling off the win. They improved to 5-3, and 3-1 three, three in conference, and... Utah State fell to three and five, two and two in conference, and uh, you made the trip up to Laredise, as it's so uh, warmly called by by those who who love the snowy range. What did you think? Um, well, so first and foremost, I have a special place in my heart for Laredise. Um, <laughs> no reason in particular, I guess, but except for it's just a great place. It really is. So it's a lonesome drive out there, you know, from Logan to Laredise. You know, you go through Bear Lake. That's fun and all. And then you go through Hennefer. Have you ever heard of Hennefer? No, sir. It's a town in Wyoming. Then you go through Round Rock and Green River. And then you get to Rollins. Now, let me tell you something. This is a non-sports fun fact that I think our listeners are going to appreciate. Between Rollins and Laramie, that stretch of highway is the windiest stretch of highway of any interstate in the continental United States. And because what happens is you're in the high plains of Wyoming, right? So it's it's already you're like 7,000 feet in the air. I mean, that's 70, 72, 20. That's how high Laredice is. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they let you know it too. That Those signs are plastered <laughs> everywhere on that campus, everywhere in that stadium, 7,220 feet. But anyways, as you're driving, you got these signs that are flat or these signs that says when the lights are flashing, the freeway's closed. And so what happens when they were building the I-80 in that direction, they knew high plains, Wyoming, really windy whatsoever. They reached out to a bunch of ranchers in the area, and they're like, Carbon County, that's the county where Rollins is. They're like, hey, where should we not build this this highway? And they said, go around the foothills of the Snowy Range. Do not build it over there because that is the windiest spot. Do you know what they did? They didn't, they didn't listen to the farmers. <laughs> they didn't listen to the ranchers. They built that baby right over there. And so now, heck of windstorms in the fall and the, and the, the winter especially. They do got a lot of windmills, so... Maybe energy efficient. We're all about that these days, right? As a, as a society, <laughs> apparently. So that's good and all. But terrifying to drive through there. Yeah. But do you know what the beautiful thing is? What? Once you drop into Laredice, you feel like you've earned it. Mm. Because you go through the snowy fields, the foothills, and it's super windy. And you're like, dang, I survived. And then you can just, <laughs> you can just enjoy Laredice, you know. Nice campus. Really cool stadium. Super old. That and the Arena Auditorium. I've covered a game there as well for their basketball arena. They're next to each other. Awesome places, awesome fan base, because the state really supports them. So overall, Wyoming, Laredice, great place. But for Saturday night, 
tying it back into the football team. Wasn't a great night for Utah State football. You know, something that I want to just uh, glance over, and I want you to give me your initial thoughts, Jake, when I say this, are just a couple of statistics. Because in a lot of ways, this game was even worse than the final outcome, outcome yeah. said it was. Yeah. First downs, 28 from Wyoming, 13 from Utah State. Total yards, 529 from the Pokes, from the Ags, 217. I'm no math major, but that's over 300 yards of a difference, <laughs> and then plus change. Yeah. Um, passing, uh, this is the Wyoming pro-style run at heart. They passed for 199 yards, Utah State 104. Rushing, obviously, they gashed the Aggies, especially in the first half and then to the end of the game, 330 to 113. Um, just really, in a lot of regards, just kind of total domination. And what, why was that? Why was it such a lopsided game statistically? And then what did Utah State do to kind of make a game out of it despite the, the mismatch? Well, I'm interested to, to see your analysis on it, but I know the, the glaring fact is injuries. The Aggies are are down to their fourth-string quarterback um, after Logan Bonner out for the season and then Lagaw and Williams get roughed up in Fort Collins. And then you look on the defensive side, and you were already kind of tight. You know, Byron Vaughn's out that night, and Aljani Carter, this one I didn't know about before the game, uh, wearing a boot on the sideline. He didn't play in that one. Uh, we'll see how, how long he'll be out with that. And then you lose MJ Tafisi in the first quarter. Yeah, so it was something that kind of funny that was happening. I, the the other media guy that traveled to the game is his name's Patrick Mayhorn with with the Ag Ship. He just yeah. got here. He does a great job. Um, he asked Byron Vaughn's. We were both on the sidelines. He asked Byron Vaughn's because Byron Vaughn's was warming up. Like, hey, you ready to go tonight? You playing? And maybe the question was too vague, or Byron was just playing with him. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like verbally told him that, and then oh. out with concussion protocol. So that was a little bit funny. <laughs> I briefly spoke with Ajani on the sideline. He did not. He, he didn't want to talk about anything specifically about his injury. He just admitted, yeah, I'm in a boot. I'm not playing like that. Did, did you look at me? That's pretty clear, right? But yeah. Something Anderson said after the game about AJ is he could be out the next several weeks potentially for the season. And yeah. for the guy that leads the Aggies in turnovers created, that's a, that's a big loss. And so I think, to your point, really, really injury-depleted team – Especially if you got Cooper Lagarde in there at quarterback, the offense, it's a different story, right? When yeah. you have a fortune quarterback, and really the rest of the offense did not help Bishop Davenport out that much. And yeah, we can, it's not to say that Bishop that, even but. played bad. It's just, you know, it was it's things like he, he he got pressured a lot more than he did at Fort Collins. The offensive line was really good against a solid CSU rushing or, you know, defense, defensive front, that is. Uh, they... They had some lapses this time in Wyoming, and something even Coach Anderson said. He said they, we needed to protect him. We need to keep him a little cleaner, his jersey a little cleaner. But also, Bishop made some bad throws, which you kind of expect from a true freshman quarterback. But when you're already getting sacked a few times, and then your your offense has seven tackles for loss in the first quarter, I think maybe first half, but you know in the first little bit, you you need to take advantage of the chances you got, but the offensive line wasn't giving them a whole ton of chances. Jake, the interesting thing about this Wyoming matchup is I think it's one of the tougher matchups of games that Utah State plays annually, especially with how they're trying to, Blake Anderson's trying to to build the team. They insist we want to get bigger, we want to get stronger, and they're trying to do that with recruiting and development. I mean, we'll see it, or I'll believe it when I see it, right? Yeah. But what Utah State hangs their hat on is their athleticism 
and their speed, right? And so that's something that their defense has done a good job, especially with their edge rushers being able to get to quarterbacks and be able to get in the backfield quickly to force TFLs. And they do have some big guys such as Halle, such as MJ Tafisi at linebacker, right? But what you saw on Saturday is against a pro-style Wyoming team that just is built bigger and deeper and built to smash the ball down your throats. There's other teams in the league like Colorado State, or I know they lost UNLV, but like UNLV and we're going to see from Boise State too, they might have bigger guys in Utah State, but they don't take advantage of that fully because they're more pass-type teams, right? Yeah. And that, But for a team that is bigger than Utah State and is just going to make you stop them like what Wyoming does and how physical they are, and then Titus Swin was a beast. Their running back, he ran for three touchdowns, and how, how many yards did he go for? 160. 100, it, that feels, that feels like it was more. Well, you know? do you know why? Because DQ James came out of nowhere. Oh, that's right. A guy that I don't even think the the play-by-play broadcasters on FS2 even knew his name really before they looked down on their death chart. I don't think he, what well, I don't think that he was supposed to be the number two back at least coming in. Like I don't think that was really expected from people. I might be wrong on that, but he had 120 yards on 10 rushes, 12 yards every time he touched the ball for the average. DQ James, Dairy Queen James. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, probably not me. He could get an NIL deal though, don't you? Oh, think? he could. Hey, but you got to stay away from those DQ deals. Have you heard of the curse of the the Dairy Queen deals with the baseball? No. So there were a couple of guys that got Dairy Queen deals at the beginning of the season, right? One of those guys was Cody Ballinger. He had one of his worst years ever, right? The awesome. other guy, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> of the Padres, is injured. The second he gets healthy, gets caught for for roids, right? For mm-hmm. PEDs. But then the third guy that was. I actually, you know what? I might have to rescind this because recent events have broken the curse. Perhaps the third guy to get the D- Dairy Queen deal was Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper was cursed from the D- Dairy Queen deal because he was injured for a portion of the regular season, and now he smashed that right, literally yeah. smashed it, hit two home runs mm-hmm. to clinch the pennant for the Phillies. Was batting 400 in that series, so that tangent over. Maybe, the, <laughs> maybe the Dairy Queen curse isn't as real as I thought it was. I don't know. Just, I think it is there. You know, he was injured. It just yeah, you know, was. Bryce Harper just overcame it. He, he did. He just, you know, curses are meant to be broken. Yeah. And Bryce Harper broke them. But if I'm D- DQ James, I don't even know if they have a Dairy Queen in, in Laredice. Take advantage of it if you want. But just know that athletes promoted by Dairy Queen are more prone to injuries. It just It's just statistical evidence. So, anyways, I, another thing is I think we really noticed on Saturday just how, how much lack of depth Utah State actually has on the defensive side of the ball in certain regards, specifically at linebacker, because when MJ Tafisi goes down and he's second on the team in tackles behind AJ Vombachon, those two guys play like every every yeah. carry. When they he, were like in the top ten nationally snap wise, wasn't it? Like I know yeah. they posted the the statistic, but I mean they led the team and yeah. Well, what you're leading up to is once he's out, you have two freshmen. That's that's it on the linebacking yeah. core. Yeah, Max it's, Alford, it's crazy. Sione Moa. Yeah, and so Max Alford was at Park City High School last year, and prior to PC, he, he didn't <laughs> the even minors, play. The minors, baby, he, the mighty minors. He didn't even play his senior season because the first game of the, of the season, he was playing at running back. He hurt his knee. Hmm. Missed the entire season. So credit to Max Alford of didn't even play his senior season. Comes, I believe he played at spring ball for Utah State and has developed, and all of a sudden he's second in the depth chart. So this credit to Max Alford for going in there and battling that game, but... In a major divisional Mountain West game, when Tafisi goes down and your backup is a true freshman that's barely played 
any snaps and you got to stop a really, really good run defense, that, that doesn't really set you up for success. No. Um, I do want to throw it out, though. Sione Moa came up really big in the fourth quarter. He gets a stop on third da- on, on second down and gets a sack on third down, brings it down Peasley. I can't remember what drive it was, but it was before that final touchdown from Wyoming, so it was still a one-score game. And he forced pretty much single-handedly. Obviously, they got the stop on first down, but single-handedly forced a punt from the Cowboys to give USC one more chance there in the fourth quarter. Um, and he's a redshirt freshman, so he wasn't even really. He's just trying to get bigger, you know. He's not even really expected to be seeing snaps at all, and he came up clutch. No, and he's uh, another Utah product. It's great. I think it's great to see. Is he Tim Few? Is Utah that? guys. He he's an Ogden guy. So oh, he, okay. My I bad. believe he went to. Uh, um, he went to Weber High School. Okay. And so, yeah, so he was in there. And then um, John Ward, he's a SoCal guy, but he's a youngster, too, that's been playing a lot. And Tavion Coleman in the defensive tackle position. But to your point, that was a huge sack that yeah. Mal had. And they weren't really getting pressure on Keys throughout the game until that moment. And it gave the offense one more chance. And so that was really, from the defensive point of view, there were a lot of things they didn't do well. But what they did do well is they gave Utah State a fighter's chance towards the end of the game. And it's just that, you know, the offense just cannot put together a drive besides that one in the third quarter where Calvin kind of broke loose a little bit on the ground game. But what did you think about that last offensive possession? Utah State, Bishop Davenport, he gets a 15-yard scramble, and then they get it to Cobbs. And so then they're up to, like, the 43-yard line, and then they stall out and punt it away, and then Wyoming closes it with that with that possession. What did What did you think about that last offensive possession? Um, I'm not really sure what you're reaching for there. Um, I let's see. Got to recall it, man. This was a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a long time ago. This was a, this was like a full a full two days ago. This game, but I what happened was, and I rewatched part of this today. Um, I, I rewatched this drive, but the Utah State offense. So they got the ball at the 40 yard line. They've gotten two first downs. Right. So the last the last one was a turnover on downs, though. It wasn't a punt. Oh, so is that what you're, which one are you talking so about? So we're talking about the one before the Wyoming's oh, last touchdown. Oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. So they get they get the ball, and this really feels like this is the last chance because the defense just this is after has been this, holding this on for dear punt life. That Moa forced. That's right. He forced the okay. punt, and anyways, the first play after they get this first down, they're on about the forty yard line. The first play is a a called design cut block from the offensive line where they all just drop down and just cut off the defensive guys at their legs or whatever and teams do this when they're completely overmatched and just hoping to just catch catch the defense surprise, by surprise yeah. it didn't work and Davenport gets stuffed at the line right and so even that play just showed the lack of faith that the coaching staff had in the offensive line towards the end of the game is doing something like that in such a pivotal spot the next play they hand it off to Calvin Tyler. It's just stuff. There's no running holes. He gets like two yards. So then we got a third down, right? And it's a must-pass situation. Everyone knows it. And they actually get a pretty good play call because they got they got McGriff and they got Cobbs going out and then they got Vaughn sliding across the middle. But then you use tight end Josh Sturger and he pokes out and kind of curls to the side, similar to a wheel route but not a wheel route because he didn't start in the backfield. Yeah. And he was wide open for the first down on the camera side of the field. And Davenport was under heavy pressure, but he just completely overthrew him, just sailed it over his head. And that that moment, it was really like if they can make that play, it's probably a 20-yard gain into plus territory, 
and then maybe they put something to happen. But I think that that play right there was just like, man, if you're going to get out of there with the win, you got to make plays like that. Yeah, and I think another play that Aggie fans might be remembering uh, that could have changed the game is a, a pass breakup from Gervin Hall that really, I mean, most people are saying it should have been an interception. I I don't know. I It probably should have been. I just hate saying that just because, like, you know, it's tough. Like, you're not <laughs> that's not always your, your first priority. You're just trying to make sure it's incomplete, right? But regardless, it, it pretty easily would have been a pick six had he, he came up with that. There really, there really wasn't anyone on that side of the field that would have been able to catch up to him. What did you see there? Yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes you got to give these guys in the secondary credit for being in the right spot. Yeah. Gerv really read that pass by Andrew Peasley well, and it was a bad pass by Andrew Peasley. He had a couple of those that I thought the Aggies maybe could have picked off. didn't work out that way. But gets by the tight end. And the thing is, Gervin Hall was running full speed towards that football. He had all the momentum. So if he catches yeah. that, he already has enough speed. We saw that when he returned the inter- interception against Colorado State that got called back for holding. Yeah, He catches that ball, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like That is a touchdown. And then not only does that change the game momentum-wise, but it gives the Aggies the lead in, yeah. in the late third quarter. And yeah, it just bounces well, off not his only, chest. Yeah, it's not only just uh, the seven points that would come from it, but it also stops a field goal that Wyoming would have kicked, and so it would have been twenty-one seventeen USU. So you're saying you're saying that was a ten point swing? Yeah, yeah, it was a ten point swing. A ten point swing in a game that ends twenty-eight fourteen. Yeah, so just you know, it's easy to do this uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff, right? Um, but when it seemed like Utah State was their backs were against the wall in so many ways, just with the injuries and then just Wyoming's physicality, seeing that there were still a couple moments here and there that they, if they capitalized on it, could have been a different story. Um, it, it doesn't make you feel better about the performance, but it, it kind of, I don't know, maybe it just makes the whole thing a little bit a uh, little bit more disappointing that Utah State could not get out of there with a win. Yeah. No, it, like you said, backs up against their wall, and, and we talked about the statistics already, but, I mean, to really make it a one-score game for – Really, most of the game, obviously, Wyoming just put the hammer down in their second-to-last drive, taking it for a touchdown, 83 yards on nine plays. But for you know most of that, there was one, two, th- three t- uh, drives where USU still really felt like they, they could be in the game if the offense does something, but they just can't. Yeah, and that is exactly what Blake Anderson said in the postgame. That, another little quirk about Wyoming Stadium, War Memorial Stadium, great place. Um, the uh, the the locker room for the visiting team is in a building that's not actually connected to to the stadium. It's adjacent to the stadium on that west side, but it's a completely separate building, almost like high school feel in that sense. So you go under the the west bleachers, and then it's in there. And then the post game is in that same building, but it's uh, there's an indoor track, so it it kind of feels like the uh, the field house on campus. Yeah, that's essentially. W- Imagine the field house at Utah State, put that in Wyoming, and it happens to be very, very close to their football stadium, and that is where the post-game media press conference was. And so that was kind of bizarre because it's this huge room. It's like they couldn't, there was nowhere else to do this. <laughs> but Blake Anderson said in that exactly what we're saying is, yeah, the, I mean, the offense, they were given the opportunities, and finally, at some point, something's got to give. And he said the defense just broke that last drive, and there was really nothing that I – they could have changed there with the prior circumstances. So, 
just uh, just how it went down. Wyoming deserved to win the game, as we saw from the stats, right? And uh, that's that's what happened. So by week, and then we'll credit our, our good friend Nathan Dunn on doing the research, but did you see what USU has to do to somehow luck their way into the Mountain West Championship? Oh, man. I, they got to win out, and then they got to get some help from Boise, Wyoming. But I don't know what the what the actual logistics there are except for I'd imagine just thinking off the top of my head Boise would have to lose to Wyoming and then Wyoming would have to drop a game to somebody else and then Utah State has to beat Boise yeah let's see okay I will read it word for word so obviously Utah State needs to win out like they they have to get that that especially that win over Boise State and then of course you just with two losses already in conference play you just have to win out um, Wyoming needs to lose two of their next four, but not to Boise, um, because Boise is undefeated at that point, most likely, is what Nate suggests. So Wyoming playing at Hawaii, at Colorado State, and at Fresno, and they need to win t- or lose two of those. So do you think though either of those are losable games right now for the Pokes? I why not? Sure. I okay. Mean. <laughs> Okay. If Fresno State I can think get Fresno, healthy, yeah. yeah, maybe Fresno, and then you're at you're on the Big Island, man. You never know what happens there. But I I will say um, I would rather see our boy Andrew Peasley in Wyoming win the division than Boise. than Boise State. I would That's be fair. I'd be all for um, Poke December if they hosted that thing in Laredice in December, the Mountain West Championship game. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'd be happy. So for Boise, um, what the Aggies need from Boise is they just need one loss out of their next three games and then a loss to Utah State. So they host Colorado State. Um, then they, they have a game against the team down south. That doesn't matter to us. And then at Nevada and at Wyoming. So we don't want them to lose to Wyoming unless they lose, unless Wyoming's lost other ones because then Wyoming would have the tiebreaker over us and Boise. But – um, so playing Nevada, uh, that should, should be one that Boise State should be able to handle. <laughs> CSU should also be someone that they can handle. So there, we're asking for something big from, from Jay Norvell or from his former squad. You know, as mediocre as the Mountain West conferences this year, it's somehow the, the haves and the have nots. It's like, instead of the haves and the have nots, it's like the kind of haves, not really because they're had terrible non-conferences and that would be Boise and um, Fresno State and San Jose State I guess but then the have-nots are just some of the worst teams in the FBS yeah right like Nevada is awful Colorado State (laughs) is awful New Mexico just hasn't competed with anybody and they have two wins I think one of them is an FCS school but yeah I mean they're probably (laughs) to like Stony Brook and Garner Garner Webb or something but so hey, I mean, Garner Webb gave a who 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 did they give a hard time to last week? I'm trying to remember. Liberty now. Flames. Yeah, uh, they good. they gave they gave Liberty a much better fight than BYU did. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. But anyways, um, so it's frustrating for for Utah State because they're kind of almost in the middle of this. They're not quite at the top of the league, even though the top is it's not very top heavy. But they're not quite there. But they're also not a bottom team that's guaranteed to just not compete in some games like Colorado State and Nevada. 
but being in that middle ground with uh, with some of the talent that they thought they had going into the season, that's uh, I imagine that's got to be pretty aggravating for the yeah. fan base and for that for that team. So for sure. So Aggies like last year need some luck, but even a little more so than before. Right now we're gonna go to break. We'll come back talking about soccer, volleyball, and then hoops. And we'll be right back here on Aggie Radio. Stick around. Aggie fans, this broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and Everlight Solar. Everlight Solar serves communities throughout Utah and help local homeowners go solar. More information is available at everlightsolar.com. Great Basin Urgent Care is located at 1201 South Main Street, Suite 110, Logan. Great Basin Urgent Care offers IV hydration therapy, including banana bags. Other services include x-rays, in-house lab tests, blood draws, and medication management. Primary care is also provided. More information is available at greatbasinuc.com. Calling all Aggies in Utah. Show your love for USU while contributing to student scholarships with the Aggie license plate. 100% of your $25 annual contribution goes directly toward student scholarships. Give the gift of education and ride with Aggie pride. Visit usu.edu slash aplate for more info and go Aggies. The Logan Event Center is a proud supporter of Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP. Located at 185 East, 1250 North, Logan, Utah, behind the Logan Mall. With events happening almost every night, the Event Center is a great place to experience Logan. More info can be found at loganeventcenter.com. Intermountain Healthcare supports this program on 92.3 KBLU. Intermountain Healthcare is a Utah-based, not-for-profit system of 24 hospitals, 160 clinics, and 38,000 employees. More information is available at intermountainhealthcare.org. Welcome back to Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. You're listening to the Aggie Sports Radio Show. I'm Jacob Nielsen. Alongside me, the sports manager of the Utah Statesman, Jacob Ellis, this show is presented by the Utah Statesman. First segment, we were talking uh, some football, uh, you know, the Aggies, tough one out in Laredice. And now uh, we're going to swing our attention over to the Olympic sports a little bit. But before we do that, just uh, one follow-up from one thing we were talking about. Why in the world does Logan, Utah not have a Dairy Queen? Um, we have an In-N-Out now. <laughs> we have a Smash Burger. Is that what it's called? No, the Habit Burger. We yeah, got to have yeah, it. Yeah. Chipotle is here now. We got a Costco coming up for goodness sakes. Where in the world's DQ? Where where is D- Dairy Queen? If I want a Blizzard, I got to drive down to Ogden to get myself. No, a Blizzard. no, 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 no. There's one in uh, there's one in Brigham City. Yeah, but it's not technically Brigham City. It's Perry. That's what it is. It's Perry. So you're telling across me across the bridge from I-15. So you're telling me the town named after the platypus from Phineas. No, that's, I don't think that's accurate. Has <laughs> has a Dairy Queen and. The Cache Valley, the prominent Cache Valley of Northern Utah, does not have one. Yeah. That, who do, that who is do we got to talk to to change this? I don't know. I know we have a good friend, the the managing editor of the Statesman, Darcy Ritchie, that would agree with you. Uh, I love uh, I love DQ myself, but it's not a promotion for them. Um, and you know, we got some good ice cream options here. So 
I'm, I'm contempt right now. Yeah, it's a good point. Personally. Um, so, anyways, on from that, you know, we let's talk a little bit women's soccer, right? You know, the Aggies, they've had an interesting season. It, it's been a good season, but I we would like to say that it's been a great season. And it, I I don't know. It just it hasn't quite been there yet. It just a lot of close games that they've been in. And I think last week was sort of a, a reflection of that, right? Yeah. They Well, last week, honestly, these results aren't too bad. If you hadn't lost to Colorado College, if you had you picked up some ones that you that were closer that you you should have won, um, that they won last year. So Utah State right now in conference four three and three, they tied the last two weeks nil uh, nil against San Diego State and New Mexico, and that leaves the conference finale on Thursday with Boise State the deciding game. So right now, Aggies uh, they are in seventh place on the outside of that top six that go to the conference tournament. So the Aggies at 15 points, then two teams tied for fifth at 16, Boise State and Colorado College. And then that second-place slot, three teams tied for, the Aztecs, the Spartans, and the Pokes. And then New Mexico on top 19, they've guaranteed their slot into uh, the tournament. So Utah State, this is a must-win. Yeah, it almost seems like there's not been a ton of sample size. Like they only play each other once, right? In soccer. And I, I why can't you play a few more games? I don't know. This is how it always is, but I'm just, I'm just looking at the, the records of the teams and it really hasn't separated itself very much. Like from Utah state is seventh in the league and they're only four points behind the league leader. New Mexico's 19, Utah state's 15. Um, and they had two great opportunities last week to maybe still three points at home from the league leaders, New Mexico and San Diego State. Obviously, it didn't happen. They also didn't relinquish goals, though, which is awesome, which is a, a bonus. So they get two points. But, yeah, it's going to come down in this Boise State game because Colorado State, you can tie with Colorado State in the point total. Colorado College. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, that's a key difference there. Yeah. Colorado College, um, you can tie with them if – if you get a point and Colorado College loses their last game to Air Force, but the problem is they have the tiebreaker because they have the head-to-head win yep. over the Aggies. So, got to be Boise State, and they're they're a good team too, right? They're four two and four, um, eight four and seven overall in in their season. So, you know they're gonna have to play their best soccer in the Bell on Saturday or on Thursday. Yeah, it helps uh, playing that last game at Chuck and Gloria Bell Field, like you say. Um, but the Aggie offense just needs to wake up. There's been some difficulties. Whitney Lopez is out for the season, midfielder that had led up to a lot of assists, had a few goals of her own that has really hurt the Aggies. And it's a lot of their offensive power comes from their wings, Sarah Taylor, Jordan Foraker kind of thing. And, and not having that midfielder define them on breakout runs has been showing. Man, they really need like a – Ashley Cardozo or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure she'd love to to still be playing in Logan, but she she's moved on to greener pastures. She's not dead. Sorry, that was kind of a <laughs> interesting way to say that. She plays for FC Nantes in uh, France. Yeah, but I definitely the team is a really strong team, top to bottom. But <clears throat> they just they haven't scored goals when they've needed to. Even that Colorado College game, um, they lose that one one to zero. Yeah, and they outshoot they Colorado do. College yeah. by a great margin and they just they can't get one in the back of the net and you know sometimes you just 
you just got to do it. And if you don't, you're going to miss the conference tournament, right? Because only six teams get in, and right now you're on the outside looking in. So, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's a it's a good one to to go support team if if you want to. It's a kickoff on Thursday. That one's on the Mountain West Network. I'm calling that one as well. I believe with Stockton Jukes, so you can tune in if you can't make it up to the Bell. But it should be a good one, um, and it's do or die time. So always a fun time in this part of the season when every game means so much. And not only that, but if they can win that game, they knock Boise State out of the tournament, which is just a, a little bit more of a sweetener for that. So, yeah, huge one in the final week, regular season week for women's soccer. Uh, now we kind of turn our attention over to volleyball. They had a tough loss Saturday night. It was going on about the same time as the football game, so neither of us got a chance to watch it. But I do know this was Spectrum Na- Magic Night. It was yeah. uh, Club Estes on Wheels across the parking lot. Through, <laughs> they had a great hype video through this. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. I didn't, know. <laughs> They um they took like a oh, I can't remember like exactly the editor but he did a great job he he took the like crowd pictures from from the Estes from Club uh-huh. Estes and photoshopped them over the spectrum and he, he had sound effects and it was so fun it was like it was and it also sounded like wrestling it was like Saturday 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 you know? <laughs> so um I think it worked I think there was lots of people there um, yeah we saw we saw some for a volleyball game I saw some videos yeah big great attended game against a really really good team like Colorado State they competed won one of the games were closing some of the matches but uh, just uh, couldn't get it done so yeah so they got a loss and that's a top team in the conference it's not necessarily it's not a bad loss but it's one maybe they thought they could they could pull away from with that extra enthusiasm and support and and they they couldn't pull it off unfortunately so this week um if you're listening to this in the future you uh this will be past tense but tomorrow night tuesday they are up in boise taking on the broncos and then on saturday at 1 p.m they host unlv and uh when they played the rebels i believe last week they took them to five sets two to three and it was really close in that that final fifth set so I think with Club Estes on their side, I think the Aggies get revenge on that one. So this is a huge week. Um, Utah State Volleyball, they're fifth in the in the conference right now. Now, volleyball, this is a sport where I look at the schedule and I'm like, you have this many games? Yeah. I, <clears throat> it's more similar to basketball. I think they play everybody twice. Mm-hmm. But it just keeps going and going and going when soccer wraps up this week for the regular season. and I think a lot of that has to do with some of the weather. In, oh, but in the, in the <laughs> but, beautiful Mountain West? Yeah. <laughs> You want to be playing on the the muddy fields of of Laramie and Fort Collins this time of year? All right, Laredice, Laredice in November, lovely place. They could totally be. <laughs> they play football, play soccer too. But anyways, the Boise State game will be interesting because Boise State is fourth in the conference, but they're identical records, six and four, both teams. So if Utah State beats Boise or Boise, Boise, who the heck even knows how to say that? <laughs> um, they they hop them. They have sole possession of fourth place, and then UNLV leads the league. They're nine and one. Their first loss came the first game of conference. The Running Rebs. Did they call their volleyball team the Running Rebs? No, it's they only should. basketball. Only I'd like basketball? to be very clear about that. That's a branding thing. They have it on their like media releases that they're not the Running Rebs for anything but men's basketball. I, maybe they would win more games than other sports. If they maybe were they the would. I, it's better. It is. It's maybe, great. Maybe their football team would have been to more bowl games besides <laughs> like when I was eight years old. If they, <laughs> if they were the Running Rebels, maybe. But no, so the the non-running Rebs of the volleyball team, they're on a nine-game winning streak, lead the league 
at nine and one. Utah State, to your point, took them to five to five games, five sets on the road. So uh, is that one that they can uh, still in Club Estes? I think so. Yeah, that's uh that's one I'd expect them to to win. Um, with that positive uh, fan environment, it gets so loud in the Estes when it gets sold out like that. And with a buy from the football team, I think uh, it'll definitely be sold out. Yeah, well, one one thing to to think about, it is an early Saturday game. True. The night before, and we're just speaking, no, this is this is the students. We know <laughs> we're creatures of habit. The night before is the how. Yeah. Friday night, the how. It's going to be it's going to be a party night on campus, whatever that means. People don't get up. People aren't going to be up at 1 p.m. on Saturday and go to a volleyball game. Let's let's be real. If they do go, it'll be like that crowd at the Hawaii game last year. Yeah. That was pretty 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 dead. Pretty dismal. So the the true-blooded volleyball Aggies that really want to see what the the squad can do, they'll be there. Um, But, yeah, maybe that one will be well attended, but I, I doubt it. Okay, I no, I think like the the bleachers, you know, the the Cache Valley folk. I think they'll they'll come up and support. Um, people we'll, are we'll, people we'll are going to come down from the foothills of Providence and Hyde Park. To yeah, the yeah. boosters to support mm-hmm. the team. For even even as far as Richmond, your favorite city in Cache Valley. Oh oh boy oh boy. <laughs> hey, we don't we don't talk about about Richmond. That's not cool. There's no context for for the listeners. Yeah, but Richmond. I was, I was a low objectively, blow. I apologize. Objectively, the least favorite city in Cache Valley of me, Jake Nielsen. I I bad know, experiences. I will counter out. Uh, Richmond, love you. Uh, kisses. I'll I'll see you later this year when I drive up there. But all right. But does <laughs> does that mean that you gotta? You got a season pass at that that ski resort up there? No, Cherry I Peak? no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, any any skier would agree with me that Richmond's the worst because mm. that's Cherry Peak. Yeah, <laughs> the the V's better. Ski the V. <laughs> just that's okay. all I'm saying. That's all, all right. I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, so big big week for volleyball. Let's not do or die just yet. Um, but it, this is the part of the season where you really want to be hitting your true form. You're ramping up for the tournament at the end of November in uh, Fort Collins this year. So I think that'll be played at the Moby Arena. Ah, uh, good old Moby Arena, the Moby Dick Arena. I don't, uh, I don't think that that's in the title. <laughs> so, is that no whales? Is that over Thanksgiving weekend again? Um, it looks like it is. Yeah, I think the twenty third so. to the twenty fifth. Um, can they really not restructure the schedule to to make that not the Thanksgiving? Well, weekend? you're not fitting that in between World Cup, NFL, NBA. Uh, hockey, probably even college football. Got, well, yeah, the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. Isn't That's it? right. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna try to clear my schedule, but you know. It's family time, Thanksgiving. It's yeah, the holidays, that, that's know? the big. That's thing. The, yeah, that's the big course. thing. Yeah, I'd rather watch USU volleyball than the Detroit Lions, but yeah, um, it's you know, gonna be gonna be dialed in on the on the holidays. So yeah, if they can just push that up a week, then I think that it get a lot more people in, more interested in it. Yeah, you, and it'd be you, cheaper for travel because you got all these teams converging on Colorado. I don't know. Mount West just—they could hire me as their logistics man. They could say <laughs> they could save a dime or two. They could, yeah. Just because uh, you'd just be saying. working for cheap. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna take a final break here, and then we'll come back. The last twenty minutes, we'll talk about women's basketball. They have Aggie Madness tomorrow night, and then their exhibition on Friday, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit men's hoops. But stick around here on Aggie Radio. This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and America First Credit Union. America First Credit Union offers a wide variety of financial services, including home loans for building, buying, and refinancing. More information available at AmericaFirst.com. 
I'm Natalia from Blue Light Video, and you're listening to Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP Logan. Discount Tire is a proud sponsor of Aggie Football and 92.3 KBLU. With locations in Logan, Providence, and Smithfield, Discount Tire offers services such as oil changes, emissions, alignments, car maintenance, and more. More information is available at webtires.net. The Cache Valley Center for the Arts is presenting Comedy Night at the Ellen Eccles Theater. Featuring Chicago comedians Rocky Lapore from the Just for Lats Comedy Festival in Montreal and Tim Waka from Fox's Murder in Town X. The comedy night is October 3rd at 7.30 p.m. More info at cacharts.org. Programming on Aggie Radio is brought to you by Aggie Print. Aggie Print is the university's professional print shop with a variety of custom options ranging from promotional flyers to apparel and engraving. Aggie Print has two locations on USU campus. Their main office is located at 880 East and 1250 North, with a quick print location on the first floor of the Taggart Student Center. More information can be found at print.usu.edu. Jake Ellis and Jacob Nielsen with you here on Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. In our final segment tonight, talking about hoops. Start with women's basketball. They have their preview night tomorrow night, Tuesday, um, called Aggie Madness. It starts at 7 at the Estes, and they're going to have all sorts of things, uh, giving away 500 bucks to a student, Kayla R. doing that again, have three opportunities for a half-court shot. I think if you make it, you get $10,000. $10,000? Yeah, I think a local business is sponsoring it. And I know that it's in your blood. Didn't your brother make one, or was it you? I can't remember. Well, so, you know, I've I've made three different half-court shots <laughs> okay, so in he? my life. Can I, can I give you the quick <laughs> yeah, breakdown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go. Okay, okay. Let's go. 2014 church ball semifinals for the for the cottonwood <laughs> for the cottonwood multi stake regions mm-hmm. um we were winning by about 30 points but you know uh there are no un- unwritten rules in church ball so i hoisted one up at the buzzer behind the half court line it went in you were up by 30 yeah and and so it was good so that's <laughs> half quarter number one the next one was circa 2015 i was a sophomore Right, I was a sophomore in high school. I was on the sophomore basketball team, riding the bench for the sophomore basketball team. Mind you, we were playing local rival Taylorsville. I went to Cottonwood High School. Um, my name gets called at the end of the first half because that's when uh, you bring the scrubs in at the bottom of the rotation. And I come in and I catch the ball and I look up and there's two seconds left. And I hoist it up midcourt, banks in. Right, so that's number two. <laughs> Did you call bank though? It, it doesn't matter. It went in. <laughs> it went in. Okay. Half court shot I've made in my life, number three. My senior year of high school, it was an intramural. Um, it, w- it was a championship game for intramurals uh, of the school, and it was at lunch. So there was an extended lunch for my this team. This was at Conwood or USC? This was at Conwood. Okay. Yeah. Conwood. So my team, we were playing a different team, and a large part of that team had actual players of the basketball team on it, right? And so that doesn't really matter. But you know, it was it was a tough competition. <laughs> we're down yeah. two. We're down two. Two seconds left. Uh, my brother inbounds the ball to me. I catch it. And then I take a dribble, and then I'm behind half court, and I hoist it up, and I bank it in to win the championship. So three right there. None of those games had any consequence. You couldn't find the final score of any of those online anywhere. (laughs) They don't matter, but it happened. And I've also taken a half court shot for $10,000 at a Utah State game before. Really? Yeah, my freshman year. It was Spectrum Magic 2020 probably. Utah State versus UNLV. I went down on the court. Got to shoot the shot. Now, here's the thing. I'm glad I missed it, and here's why. 
I had to sign a document that said you have to promise that you haven't played competitive basketball within the past five years. And I just signed that away. I didn't want to think too hard about it. Realized that sophomore basketball season oh, was not it. No. So the statute of limitations was not up. So I would have breached that contract <laughs> yeah. if I made it. And then I would have been a rich man, but a guilty rich man. So fortunately, <laughs> I missed that one. But long story short, that's a pretty dang good incentive to uh, pull up to uh, to the Estes Center to watch some uh, women's madness. Yeah, that it's a super exciting night. They're also giving out a J.C. Carroll jersey, like in a raffle, I believe, and and some other things. So lots of giveaways, prizes. You'll see the scrimmage of the women's team. Have some opportunity to maybe make some cash, but uh, meet the team. A lot of a lot of fun personalities there. I interviewed a few of them last week, and uh, they're really excited for the season. They want to show that. At Aggie Madness Tuesday night. What would you do with five hundred dollars, Jake? Five hundred dollars. Yeah, Kayla Ard gave you five hundred dollars. What would you do with it? I think I would. Hmm. Okay. If if it comes from Kayla Ard, right? I feel like I should do something coverage wise for the women's team. So I think I'd pick one of their away games and travel there and cover it. Um, with the most likely target there being. I think they could knock off Loyola Marymount in L.A. December 10th, get some warm warm time in SoCal, get, hit up the beach and cover uh, a great women's basketball game. So I, that's what I'd do. So you take yourself on a vacation. Well, then, no, no, no. I'm covering this is for the, the statesman. This is for the statesman, man. I Where'd gotcha. You... <laughs> what would you do with 500? Uh, Wendover. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that? Right. <laughs> all on black, double it all. All right. Yep. That's and then... All. Later this week, very exciting, the first basketball in the Spectrum, 6 o'clock, Fort Lewis College comes to the Spectrum for an exhibition with the Aggie women's team. The mighty uh, Fort Lewis. Bro, I can't even tell. I I don't know what they are. We're trying to look at their logo. (laughs) So Fort Lewis, they're out of uh, Durango, Colorado. Skyhawks. The Skyhawks of Durango, Colorado. That's an that's a underrated town in the Intermountain West for all of y'all that haven't been there. Durango, Colorado, awesome mountains, awesome beauty right there, kind of Four Corners area. Mesa Verde National Park's down in that area too. Go down there if you have a chance. But uh, yeah, here's the interesting thing: is I remember that the women's exhibition game last year was against against Westminster, and that was a t- that was a the close game. Almost that was a tight them. game. Yeah, yeah. It w- they, Westminster is pretty good. Like in for general. for a Division three school, yeah, yeah, or are yeah. they Division two? Two. I yeah, think. for a Division two school, I mean, they really gave Utah State a run for the, for its money. So, I I don't know uh, women's basketball competitiveness of Fort Lewis College. I haven't uh, been studying up on that, so I can't we'll tell get on you, the books. But I'll get on the books yeah. for sure for Friday. But man, it's already starting. Kayla Art mm-hmm. in the game. They're they're rolling. Exciting. Um, and then that the next week or a week after that, I don't know. Let's see. It's two weeks from tonight, I think, is what is what it really is. Uh, November seventh, three p.m. in the Spectrum against College of Idaho. That's the first game that's going to count, and that's also when the men's team opens up. But first, uh, let's just talk a little bit of the women's preview. I don't know how much you've looked at the roster just yet, but they have some pretty interesting transfers coming in, in my opinion. They got um, Tamaya. Robeson, <laughs> sorry if I'm not saying that right, but she was a national NCAA, the JC version, the junior college. She was an All-American last season. Okay, okay. So she's a guard, junior, um, coming from Labette Community College. So we'll see what she can provide. Uh, what, what state is Labette Community College in, Jake Ellis? No idea. Okay. Sorry, I cannot no, help that's, you. That's embarrassing. Wait, it's, a, it's in Missouri, I'm pretty sure. Missouri? How is that embarrassing? <laughs> 
I don't think I've been south of the Mason-Dixon in the south. I don't know what that means, and, uh, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I do. I do. I'm a history major. Of course. Oh, really? Of course I do. Really? Oh. No, I'm a history minor. Never mind. <laughs> okay. And then we also got an interesting transfer here, if I can find it really quick. Um, let's see. Yeah, here we go. Maria Carvalho from Utah Valley. She comes up. Graduate transfer from UVU. She's from Portugal. And do you know uh do you know some other Portuguese athletes at USU that have had success? Um the one and the only Diogo Brito is the first one to come to mind. <laughs> really? First one? Uh, he's he's my favorite Utah State athlete of all time. Um think very highly of him. He's back, he's playing in Spain in a division two league out there, hopefully making some good money, having fun. Um I no other names ring ring a bell really. Hmm, what about a <laughs> what about a setter on the volleyball team? Oh yes. Yes, we do have a setter on the volleyball team from Portugal. What's her name, Jake? Beatrice Rodriguez. And, and then, uh, okay, we just got to say, Niamishkeda, right? Oh, yeah, so, of course, so. of course. <laughs> no, Sacramento I, King. Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I, I did not want Keta to take the limelight away from Diego Brito. Is that is that fair? That's I, fair. You know, because he always but, overshadows. But all, you know, Portuguese athletes, there would be they no, have a trend. There would, be no, there would be no Namias Keta if there wasn't Diego Brito. Because okay. when he got recruited over here, he could have gone to Texas Tech. He could have gone some great places. But having that Portuguese connection with Diogo, that was a big reason why he came. So Diego mm-hmm. Brito deserves a lot of credit in Utah State Namias Keta. Fair, fair. But, yeah, Maria Carvalho, it's great to have a Portuguese presence at the university. Um it, and so that's, uh, yeah, well, hopefully she uh, she gets in the rotation and uh, can uh, produce for the Aggies. Yeah, so we'll see how this team shapes up. A lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks, a lot of transfers coming in, a lot of freshmen. So we'll see see what Kayla Ard is cooking up in the spectrum and have our first glance on Friday night at this exhibition. And one thing I noticed, the opening game of the season is against the, the College of Southern Idaho, right? Just Idaho, I think. Just Oh, is it the College, college of Idaho? The yeah. College of Idaho. Yeah. Uh, is, this is the one in uh, Twin Falls slash the Burley area, right? Um, the, so this is the, the Coyotes or the Yotes or whatever. They traditionally have a really, really good tradition of <laughs> that was a little redundant of, <laughs> <laughs> of producing Division One basketball players. And I was actually talking to the head basketball coach at Ridgeline High School a few weeks ago because okay. I was covering a game for a different publication, um, and. Her daughter plays at the College of Idaho, and she said that she, um, that I mean Utah State's been stealing players from them for a long time. Uh, Coach Coach Morrill with the, the with the men's team, they have always been looking at the College of Idaho, and um, that was a conversation that she had with Kayla Art of Hey, you need to get to know um, that program and their coach because that's something that they could help. So seeing them on the schedule, I didn't realize until looking at this that that is the opening game, but that is a quality regional. Um, regional team that uh, could potentially be a good uh, connector. Yeah. Well, and, and even speaking to that point, it could be an upset, perhaps. Uh, men's team, of course, was surprised in their opening game last year. That's true. Against UC Davis. Um, so, yeah, not one to look over. And then later that week, on the 11th, southeastern Louisiana comes to town. You know the connection there? Uh, I mean, that's where uh, Kayla R got her start. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went. They, went, they went down there last year. One in what? Triple overtime? I think so. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Game. <laughs> so uh, a fun rematch in the spectrum. It's a women's hoops preview. And then men's starting that same seventh. They're bringing the Wolverines to town. 
Utah Valley. Pride of Utah Valley. Uh, best school in Utah Valley. Yeah, I, I have to agree <laughs> with that. Um, I, this is it, it's disappointing that the Aggies can't play BYU or Utah in the non-conference. Yeah. I'm sure they'd love nothing less than to host Craig Smith or Mark Pope in the Spectrum. Unfortunately, not going to happen. But uh, you get a uh, you get the Wolverines opening game, and uh, you know Utah State's had a lot of success in Utah Valley in the games that they have played. Um, but you know. UVU is a team that usually competes in the WAC. They haven't broken through yet in the, the tournament, but they always have good players. And, I mean, it should be a entertaining and, if not competitive, first game of the season. They had the uh, leader in the NCAA in triple-doubles last year. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, and he uh, he took off, right, to Kentucky. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so their best player transferred out of there, which is what happens when you're a mid-major basketball program. But Yeah. So we'll see what UVU looks like this time around. You can't underestimate Mark Madsen. He always puts together things. He's shocked teams in the state before. Beat BYU a couple of years ago. Well, last, well, last year last and year. a couple of years before yeah. when, when BYU believe, thought they I had a good that was Mark squad. Pope. That was Mark Pope that, that beat him the first time. When Mark oh, Pope was, was the coach okay. at UVU. Okay, yeah. my bad. So but, something kind yeah. of funny about Mark Madsen, um, he was on those Lakers teams with the, the Shaq and Kobe mm-hmm. when they won all those championships in the early 2000s there's a legendary video that we don't have up so we're not going to play it for you and that'd probably be copyright i don't know but legendary video where he addresses the championship crowd in los angeles and i guess he served as his uh, his church mission in a latin country and so he goes up to the mic and he's like hermanos guinamos and just starts screaming in, in spanish and the whole crowd just goes crazy kobe bryant there's a shot of him laughing legendary clip so that's that's the coach at uvu i gotta look that up you gotta look it up classic everyone at home I mean, dude this is a up. gringo look at him it's like, dude if you could you imagine if i busted that out like the, oh, the I'm reaction ima- i'm imagining right now that'd be fantastic please awesome. do please do so utah valley and then you know, Bradley, some other games. Santa Clara coming to the spectrum. Santa Clara was a tournament team last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broncos, I believe, right? Uh, just oh, excuse south me. of San Francisco. Am I, were they a tournament team? I or, don't know. Or I, they had a lottery guy. Okay. That's, that's what, what it was. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so, you know, players, coaches, they tell you, they, they don't look at the, sp- the schedule. They don't look forward to any teams. But is there anyone standing out to you, any matchups standing out to you in this preseason uh, non sorry, not preseason, but non-conference schedule from Utah State. Um, are they trying to play the the WCC regular season in the non-conference? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they play from the West Coast Conference. They play Santa Clara, they play San Diego, they play San Francisco, and they play Loyola Marymount. Um, the Loyola Loyola Marymount game is interesting because it's a neutral site in yeah. Las Vegas. Um, I can't imagine that's going to be a very well-attended game. No, Loyola Marymount and Utah State in Vegas. Um, but, uh, you know, always plenty of memories in Vegas, so you go down there if you're Aggie Hoops. And I don't know, it's just kind of the, the college basketball hub of the West. Uh, really, I think this is the game that you're going to point out. But the the most exciting game on the non-conference has got to be the one in the Chase Center in San Francisco yeah. and who they playing in that one, Jake. San Francisco, of course. Uh, not much of a travel for them for that neutral site contest, but um, Chase Center... Uh, is it the newest arena in the NBA? I'm trying to think if uh, anything else is. has opened probably up is. since then. Because before that, it was Little Caesars Arena in uh, Detroit. Uh, Detroit. But Chase Center now. So it should be the, the gem of the basketball world right now. Um, is, that, is San Francisco going to re- 
going to return that trip next year, go, go play at the Vivit? I th- I think so. I think it's another neutral. Is yeah. my understanding. Or I can't remember if it's a one 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 with a home and away. Mm-hmm. I know that they do come to Utah at some point, though, whether yeah. it's the Vivint Arena or if it's up here in the Spectrum. Because what's interesting is these neutral site games can get really, really weaselly in college basketball because with the net rankings and how different games, the value of the wins are predicated on the location of the game, um, teams absolutely love to set up neutral court games that can give them a, a home court advantage similar to what utah state played iowa and sioux falls last year yeah and that arena was packed with iowa fans and it was absolutely not a neutral court advantage especially no, like no. utah state football was playing their bowl game so any fans that travel they were in la yeah um and they, they lose that game but it doesn't go down as a road loss even though it was a road environment it goes down as a neutral site loss and a neutral site win for iowa which is worth more than a, a home win so that's something interesting that coaches do that um, I, I'm sure the Aggies are aware of, and they'll try to take advantage of that. But I don't think they play any games in the the Vivint this year. No, uh, yeah, the other neutral site game, like you said, in Vegas at the Michelob Ultra Arena. I'm not sure which that's casino that's attached to. I'm, I'm guessing it's attached to a casino. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I and then uh, of course the Hawaiian Airlines uh, Diamond Head Classic. Ah, multi-team yeah, we'll, event. Looks like we'll uh, be working on Christmas. Oh uh, yeah, uh, maybe if you're a good delegator, you won't be. But <laughs> we'll see. But uh, some exciting games for for both hoop squads. One one uh, one interesting caveat with uh, men's basketball. I'm not. I don't probably can't say the teams that they played, but they have played two games in uh, secret scrimmages, and they are both Power Five schools that they have traveled to play. So they don't play any Power 5 schools in the regular season, but they have played two Power 5 schools. Or I know they have played one. I'm not sure about the second one, if they played them yet or not. Okay. Um, but they have done that. So that's that's an interesting thing that they like those secret scrimmages. They had one down in Texas against a decent team last year, and it worked out well for them. So that'll uh, that'll probably be good for them because, you, like, yeah, you're going to start the season. And, um I mean, Utah Valley and Bradley, these aren't household names, but these are competitive teams, so you want to make sure that uh, the team kind of uh, gets gets things uh, sorted out before the real yeah, game starts. those are teams that could punch you on the mouth, especially when you don't have an exhibition to kind of warm out those, those uh, kinks or whatever in the system. So, yep. Cool. That's going to do it for this episode of the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. Thanks for tuning in live if you did. Try to do it Monday nights after what the coaches show would be. Um, but, uh, yeah, make sure you, if you miss this one, you can go ahead and search it up on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast, Aggie Radio Sports Show. I'm Jake Ellis for Jacob Nielsen. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night. Holiday Inn Express and Suites underwrites this program on 92.3. Located on Main Street in North Logan, just minutes away from Utah State University. Holiday Inn Express and Suites, 435-752-3444 or hiexpress.com.
Beaver Mountain supports this program on 92.3. Student and adult season passes are available. Rentals are available online. Beaver Mountain is located in Logan Canyon, just over 20 miles away from Logan. Family owned from the beginning. Learn more about Beaver Mountain at skithebeave.com.